Hello and welcome to Rockets, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm your host, Simone De- No, I'm your host, Christina <laughs> Warren. Uh, joined, uh, senior developer, uh, senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft, joined by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, <laughs> and Simone de Roche for uh, video editor at Polygon.com is at E3, oh. which which means that the show sucks automatically. We're sorry. I am uh, so jealous of her. I'm in Boston. It's 83 degrees, and she's out at E3 seeing all the amazing games, and I just think that's rude. I agree. <laughs> so. I agree. I mean, I okay, look, in fairness, I'm currently in London, where it is... I don't know, like 70 something degrees, maybe. Um, and I'm very happy to be in London, but I'm very jealous of Simone for being at E3. Oh, no, it, oh. Is, six, it is 61 degrees in London, but oh. it's also 1033 at night. So, okay. So, which part of London are you staying in? I am in Shoreditch, okay. which is not an area I've been before, but it's very cool. It's apparently like very hipsterish. And I've been to a couple of places. Sorry, one second. <laughs> Hello. That is correct. <laughs> okay, thank you. Goodbye. And Christina uh, Warren's <laughs> room service will be perfect. That's just how it works. That is That's how it what works. London needs to know. Uh, that is what they need to know. They wanted to make sure that my steak was going to be medium rare. And Brianna Wu knows <laughs> there's no way that the steak is not going to be medium rare. The fact that they right. called back and asked if the steak is going to be medium rare kind of insults me, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that London was the place of like bloody, you know, steaks. I guess not. Yeah, you should just throw it in their face if it's not medium <laughs> rare. So this is unacceptable. I'm American. Don't you know how this works? So. Already, this show is, is is going so well without Simone. Um, so Brie, before we get into <laughs> to the news uh, about uh, about your your new iMac and other things, how was uh, how are things going on the campaign trail? It's going really well. You know, uh, we have a third dude that's in this race and I'd never run into him before last night. Uh, I kind of thought it was a vanity project, like with this guy running for (laughs) office since he doesn't seem to be campaigning or raising money or talking to people or doing any of the work. And, uh, I'm just going to say very politely that we both gave speeches last night at a Democratic event, and I think it is uh, journalistically accurate that I kicked his ass. I think we did much better. So there it is. I love it. And so um, what's the next step for your campaign? Uh, so we've hired a bunch of people. We are focused on field this week. So uh, what that means is canvassing, going door to door, uh, holding up signs in intersections, like getting people to put signs in their yard, you know, all the stuff you've got to do. And our latest estimates are we only need about 17,000 votes to win. So this That's is completely amazing. doable. It's completely doable. Uh, I just have to work my ass off. All right, so everybody go to BriannaWooForCongress.com so that you can donate to Bree's campaign, whether <laughs> you are you in Boston much. or not, because she needs the money for the field stuff. When is uh, the um, uh, primary taking place? September 4th, day after Labor Day. So All right. 82 days from today when we are recording it. So, Love yeah, it. I, but I want to, what are you doing in London this week? What's going so, on? So I'm here for something called Tech Days Online, which is basically kind of a, an online conference that Microsoft uh, UK has been doing for a long time. And this year it coincides with London Tech Week. So there are a lot of events happening around London Tech Week. Um, I unfortunately have not been able to go to any of them. I've been too busy doing Tech Days Online. Um, but I'm hosting and kind of acting as an MC doing interview stuff. And so we are doing it at our Microsoft Reactor space, which is in Shoreditch, which is kind of this very cool, hippie-ish, like hip, 
cool, you know, part of town, very much the Williamsburg of London, if, uh, if, if I can say so. And, and Londoners, please correct me if this is the incorrect um, assessment, but I, but I think my, my short time here is kind of a, uh, shown me that that I, I think is not completely wrong. Um, and so I've been, you know, acting kind of as a host and doing interviews with people. We've got, we've had a, a we're doing stuff over three days. So I've, I've done things on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we've got, um, another set of content tomorrow. And so on, um, Tuesday we had sessions on mixed reality. So looking at HoloLens and the HoloLens platform, as well as containers and microservices. And then today it was all about data and AI. And then tomorrow is all going to be about quantum computing. And oh my so, God. yeah, wow. which, which, which has been, which I'm very intimidated by, but also very excited to learn more about. And I've, I've met some amazing people and um, the sessions have been really good. All the content is going to be on youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. But I mean, in the meantime, I've been trying to kind of get to know the area a little bit better. And I've uh, met up with some friends in, in London, um, I- including a uh, rocket listener, Kevin Marks. I just had drinks with him. Oh, I love yeah. him. He's yes. great. He's, He's fantastic. The He's yeah. the best. Yeah. He came all the way to Shoreditch. She was uh, in another part of London and he came all the way out here to uh, have drinks with me. So um, thank you, Kevin. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. Um, it's, uh, you know, I'm eight hours ahead of my normal time zone. So I'm a little jet lag. <laughs> But, I don't think I could tell. I can't yeah. tell personally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 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 but enough about me, Bree. You have made a very important addition very to important your family, life decision. to your family yes. this week. Yes. Tell us about yes. it. Well, you know, the best course of action, I think, always is just steal whatever Christina Warren is doing. That's <laughs> that's always the best suggestion. So, uh, we have talked on Rocket a bit about our dissatisfaction with the current uh, state of MacBook Pros. Yes. Um, for me, my current MacBook Pro, the one that I record Rocket on every week, it's a, a, a an aging at this point, uh, I think a 2013 maxed out uh, Retina MBP. It's a great computer. I developed all of Rev60 on it after birth Burning up three of the logic ports in the predecessor. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great machine, but you know, like everything else, it's you know, it's time to replace this computer. And the thing that really um, kind of uh, you know brought this about is the fact that my husband has not had a Mac machine for three years, and he keeps like he's like, Bree, I want a Mac, I want a Mac. I'm like, oh, it's fine. They're about to put out a new machine. I promise it's going to be great. Let's just see what they do. And Christina, we were talking before this, before WWDC, and I'm like, I'm just going to bite the bullet and go buy a Mac. And you're like, but but wait for wait for WWDC, see if they announced anything new. They didn't. So I went over to the Apple store um, and I was, I was entirely prepared to walk in and buy a MacBook pro, but something that just really held me back is the fact that I have uh, two ACDs, Apple cinema display. It's the predecessor to the, uh, to the Thunderbolt display. And I have so much trouble getting that to connect to my 12 inch MacBook that I said, you know what? I'm going to bite the bullet and I am going to just buy uh, an iMac. And then I have, then I have both sides of the computing spectrum. Like I've got a fast 12 inch, highly portable MacBook, and I've got a portable machine for at home. Uh, And I can give this older computer to my husband. And I have to tell you, Christina, this machine is freaking amazing. 
I am really stunned by the quality of it. Um, my my test for this is like, can it run Final Fantasy fourteen? And this computer runs Final Fantasy fourteen better than my PS four downstairs, which I think is a real accomplishment. So definitely, um, definitely, yeah. It, so, it's the same model you have too. Yeah, yes. You, it, it's the maxed out model. I mean, I think yours actually has a better SSD, but it's it's the maxed out the i seven four point two. Yep. And you got it with uh, a two terabyte SSD and the AMD five eighty. I did. And and, and um, how much RAM did you get in it? So it's only got eight. You know, Apple charges you four hundred dollars in store to upgrade it. So at <laughs> so some stupid. point, yeah, it's ridiculous. At some point, I'll see go over to uh, OWC and buy it. You That's know. what I did. There's there's no huge rush. It'll take four seconds to do it. But uh, I just really want to say, like, something. I think, um, yeah, for me, it's. I I spend so much time on my computer that um you know even when it's a laptop you're kind of looking down on the screen and I've really forgotten how much comfortable much more comfortable it is to just have like a dedicated desktop that you're looking yeah. down in on uh in the Retina display and the you know uh the Magic Trackpad too it's just it's a really really good experience I'm so glad because I've loved mine and I wish that I I used it more to be totally honest because you know I I, I use my work machines uh frankly more but I love it and and the display I think it goes without saying is one of those things I said this when I reviewed the very first 5K iMac um a number of years ago and I stand by it. Like I want to crawl inside and live in the display. <laughs> yes, because yes. it's the best thing in the world. Yes. So I'm really excited. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And I think that since you already do have the super portable MacBook, you're getting more bang for your buck right now. I mean, it would be one thing if they had announced updated, you know, MacBook Pro specs. That would be one thing to maybe consider. But since they didn't, I, I think you made the right decision. And now Frank has a MacBook, so that's really really yeah. good. It's fantastic. So I want to talk about a decision I made this week that was poor in regards to computing. Uh, so the other thing I did was uh, I have burnt up so many Apple time capsules at this point. I've gone through five of them that um, I I refuse to buy any more. And we all know that Apple has stopped making that product. So I bit the bullet and I bought a, um, a, a Synology NAS solution. Um, and you know, like for most of these things, I went to wire cutter and, uh, you know, I looked up what's the best NAS and I bought that version of it. Um, I have to tell you, Christine, I'm angry at Apple right now that they will not make a better portable backup product because this thing, like I can use it. Like I'm the kind of person it's made for, but it is so overly complicated of setting things up online and making new accounts with encryption keys and then making new users to like assign each Mac disk for and to connect to it. You've got to go to Finder and hit Apple Splat K and then connect to it automatically to back up your Mac. It is a real mess. And this is the best one that they make. I know and it I'm is. Just, I'm really frustrated by that. Yeah. No, I mean, because I have a Synology. Mine is a number of years old, but I have the uh, I have one of their eighteen uh, their eighteen twelve plus model, which is the uh, eight bay NAS. And, oh wow! Um, the, the, uh, yeah, they were nice enough to send me a number of years ago, and I really like it. And it's been able to get the latest you know product updates, which is one thing that I really do like about Synology is that you can continue to get the latest disk station updates even years later. And I love the, you know, what it does, but you are right when you're trying to set it up as a time capsule type of machine, 
it is a lot more complicated than a time capsule would be. I mean, the benefit, of course, is that it's a NAS. You can do a lot of backups to it. You can do a lot of other things. It is basically a Linux server because you can install all kinds of packages on it, you know, run a lot of things, um, whether you want to do web servers or mail servers or Plex or all kinds of fun stuff. It's really good, but you've got to kind of be a certain level of nerd to want yeah. to take advantage of that. And so you're more than capable. I'm capable, but the average person that the time capsule was such a great product for, you know, this is not a, a stand in, unfortunately. Well, you know, I'm not the only person with the family that has someone in it that's not really into tech. And my worry is if I can get this to connect automatically over the network to, you know, connect to it. So Frank's time capsule will automatically back up. And uh, I don't know if it's going to do that reliably yet. It looks like a real mess. So um, yeah, my message to Apple is this is an area you should be in. You should like, there's a story this week about a new uh, router that's coming out and they're charging a subscription service to your router, which is just kill me now. That's such a bad idea. Um, you know, like, this is somewhere we need Apple to be. Um, you know, Eero is a good product, but we need, we need, we need backups to be simple and wireless. We need routers to be simple and secure. And it just frustrates me that Apple has really forfeited the space. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And as we discussed the last time, I mean, I think Eero makes a great product. Ubiquity makes really nice products. It's not that people don't make good routers. Synology makes actually a fantastic product and for a NAS, which is different than what you're looking for in a time capsule to be to be, you know, fair. Yeah. Um, you know, because it can do so much more and it's, it's designed for a different sort of, of platform. I, I think Synology is great, but you're right. You know, Apple had this, this great platform and this, this great device and people like my mom, you know, I had, she has, uh, she had an airport and loved it. Um, and it was easy and it was reliable and it was, it, it stood the test of time. Um, and now other than saying, spend a lot of money on an Eero mesh system, I don't know what to tell people and it doesn't offer that next level, which is what you're talking about, the backup. And, and it's really disappointing because Apple gets out of this networking space at the exact same time that mesh networking really starts to take off. Yeah. And they could have had a huge opportunity to just release an Apple mesh system um, that also would do, you know, backups or other things and, and you'd have, have some sort of hard drive connected to it. And, and they could own the higher end part of that market. Um, you know, Google's there. Uh, uh, obviously, I, I, as we said, um, Eero is there. There, uh, Netgear's there. Um, there are so many different companies who are now finally looking at this higher-end router space because of mesh networking, which is, you know, historically Apple had kind of maybe a hard time because they were a lot more expensive than just your average go-to router, and certainly more expensive than the router that comes with your cable modem. Um, but now they could actually have a differentiator. People are willing to spend money, and they're like, Nah, we don't care. And it, 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 it's disappointing. I, I don't I don't understand that, you know, business decision, but I have to assume that whoever works there is smarter than me and, you know, has rationale. They've done the numbers and said, oh, it's not that important. We sell enough iPhones. But it is disappointing because, as other people have noted, and as we've talked about before, as you start to kind of force people out of your ecosystem when you've already been in the ecosystem, you tend to be more willing to look at other things. Like if I have to get a different router, then maybe I should look at getting another desktop or I should be looking yeah. at getting other, you know, products that are not, um, you know, for me, it was one of those things like I have the home pod because I forgot to return it. 
Um, but, <laughs> but I think the Sonos is better and, you know, a, 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 as an overall value play. And this is the sort of thing where it's like, you could kind of understand, well, if I have to buy a different company's router, then do I really need to buy the Apple speaker? You know, um, I, I feel like it's a missed opportunity for sure. I, yeah. And the last thing I'll say on this before we kind of get to the news of the week is, you know, the FBI two weeks ago put out a um, national security alert on uh, basically telling Americans they needed to reset their router. So it yep. would like go into a forced update state uh, because there was an attack vector uh, coming in for a lot of popular routers. You know, the truth is Apple's number one uh, marketing feature in 2018, it's not features, it's not, it just works. It's the encryption and it's the privacy. Yes. And for me, the biggest attack vector in your home, besides the machine itself, is certainly your router. Um, and it just really, like, that is a, it makes it uncomfortable. I don't even use my, like, Comcast router. I have it go to a whole separate network and just ignore the other totally. one. Like, this is, this is something that matters. And again, Eero makes a great product, but you know, in trying to connect to NAS to it, I only have two Ethernet Ethernet ports on my yes. um, base. Right. So one one has to go to the thing. So I cannot physically plug in uh, my iMac and you know this NAS at the same time. I have to right. go out to Best Buy and like buy a new sub network with Linksys or something, which yeah, is no, another I say, vector I of attack. Say, you know, right. I wound, yeah. I, well, no, I wound up getting just a switch, just a network switch. So that's how what yeah, yeah, I've yeah. used with my mesh, with my mesh system, and that's how we've connected it to our things. But that adds again a whole other layer of complexity to what was an easier system. Yeah. So anyway, there it is. <laughs> I agree with you, and uh, but but I'm but I am happy that you have a new iMac. Uh, have you named your iMac? I did. I named it after Eden, which is a Guardian Force in Final Fantasy VIII, because I'm just that nerdy, Christina Warren. <laughs> I I appreciate it. No, I usually try to name my uh, machines and hard drives after pop culture things, and so I very 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 much <laughs> like TV shows, you know, or whatever. So I very much appreciate it. someone who once had a laptop whose name was Carrie, a TV whose name was Mr. Big. <laughs> and uh, it was a big screen TV. It made sense. Uh, a, a Tebow that was named Ferris Bueller. I, I'm very much in favor. That's good. Uh, They're going to have to bring out a really high quality product for you to name it the Taylor Swift. I mean, that's oh, going to yeah. have to be like mm. a, a gold covered, like diamond encrusted iMac or something. No, you know what? It would be if there was a rose gold iMac, that would be Taylor Swift. That would be appropriate. Yeah, I have to agree. I want to tell you a story about America's greatest hero. And although it's not Optimus Prime, it starts with Optimus Prime, who single-handedly defeated all of the Decepticons in Transformers the movie. But then he was so damaged that he was lying on a bed and Optimus Prime died. But before he died, he reached into his chest and pulled out the Matrix of Leadership and then he handed it to Squarespace, who is bringing you this episode of Rocket today. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe, you know, you want to create an awesome online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio about all your Transformers fan art. That's probably not very good. Maybe you want to create a blog ranking all the Transformers masterpiece toys. I'm not going to judge you. 
But what I will judge is Squarespace for being awesome at bringing you an online platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas, just like your new female transformer that you're going to design yourself and you're going to send over to Hasbro to make happen. So I want to tell you that I love Squarespace. I use it personally. Uh, for me, like we use Squarespace uh, to counteract SEO warfare against my name online. Uh, we have like studied Google's rules. And what we do is when I'm in the, the, the press, we use a Squarespace site and have it linked to stories about me, which uh, because it's BriannaWu.net and it's linked to my Twitter officially, it ac actually helps combat SEC, SEO warfare uh, against my name. So that's something you can do. Uh, or you could just make a Transformers blog. Anyway, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, and you can start your trial with absolutely no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com forward slash rocket. And be sure to use the offer code rocket to get 10% off of your first purchase. Now, I know you've heard me say that a thousand times. You probably don't even hear it anymore, but I really want to say that. Use the offer code ROCKET when you go to Squarespace because it helps them keep supporting us. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. And thank you for your support. All right. Well, let's let's uh, let's get into uh, this week's news. So what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about uh, – do you just want to do the, uh, the fun news first? Like let's yeah. talk about E3. Let's talk about E3. Oh, my God. There was so much good stuff at E3. I'm so jealous of Simone. <laughs> I'm so jealous of Simone. Ah. Oh. Yeah, there's so much. I, we could talk about this forever. Um, I guess can we like start by talking about Anthem? Have you have you seen the trailer for this at all? Or I the, have or the concept of it. Yeah, I have. Okay, so I want to give listeners just a little bit of background. So Bioware is the company that has made some of the most beloved uh, RPGs of all time. They uh, started with Jade Empire. They did Knights of the Old Republic, which was one of the first like really, really major Star Wars games. And then from Knights of the Old Republic, they took the underlying mechanics and made Mass Effect, which is... I would say one of the most beloved uh, franchises in the entire gaming industry. Yeah. They've also made Dragon Age. Uh, we've talked on the show about how Mass Effect Andromeda didn't really work out. No, and unfortunately. Casey, oh, it was horrible. Um, and Casey Hudson, one of the people really behind the original Mass Effect trilogy, he has been off working on this game called Anthem. And we haven't heard much about it uh, until we really got the trailer this week. So, Christina, you've seen it. What were your thoughts about it? I thought it looked really good. I'm really excited because, as we said, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda was a disappointment. And this this looks like this could be something really great. Do you think so? I mean, I, I think the graphics, did. yeah. The graphics, the graphics are amazing. Good. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to tell in the gameplay. You know, that's always hard to tell in a trailer. It can either, they're either be overstating things or understating things. But... I don't know. Maybe I'm being dumb. I have hope. Okay. Okay. I I I'm always willing to give drag uh, give Bioware the benefit of the doubt. But what worries me about Anthem coming out is it seems to be the exact same concept as Destiny. Okay. Uh, a, 
a That's persistent, always-on online world where you're leveling up a character. You can't do things like romance people. You can't, um, you know, you've got to be online with people to go do missions. There's no offline mode. And I have to say, I played a lot of Destiny. I did every single expansion. I got all the way through it. I played Destiny 2, and I'm like, you know what? I've done this. I got to run for Congress. I've done this. That's uh, a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, I think I hadn't yeah. thought about the, the. I, I guess I, I saw the trailer. I hadn't really thought about the no offline mode and those things. That's, you know, something I think a lot about. And I think it's, it's not great that's kind of become this era where it's expected, you know, especially yeah. when you're talking about role-playing games and, and things like that, because if you've got to be online, if you've got to do multiplayer, I mean, this is obviously, I think we're going to talk about it more later, but it's one of the big critiques of the next uh, Fallout. Is, yeah. is is a lot of people are very angry at Bethesda because they're like, don't turn, don't don't do this, you know, don't go yeah. in this direction. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you know, Fallout certainly got a lot of blowback for this very same issue. Yeah, and I think that Fallout to me makes more sense. Like, you know, um, when we're talking about a, a you know um, Anthem, it's a new property, so I don't know what to expect. It could be good, it could be bad. Fallout, I'm a little more critical and I'm a little more nervous about because. It started out, I mean, I remember playing the original Fallout and Fallout 2 and obviously Fallout 3, which in my opinion is the best of the series, you know, Fallout 4 too, but like, but Fallout 3 is really like the game. Um, you know, it's always been role-playing driven. It's always been kind of, you know, you've been able to do a single player thing. It's been story driven and they got rid of, of, of uh, you know, more non-playable characters and whatnot in, in, um, in, in Fallout 3 and, and kind of changed things up and really kind of made it more of a mainstream game, but I can understand the critique, which is to be like, all right, you're kind of turning this into, you know, into maybe some version of Skyrim or something. And, and that's not why people play Fallout. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I thought the last Fallout was really good. Uh, it was the first Fallout I personally ever beat. Uh, I liked it, but I think it's worth like looking at the industry and why like games always seem to have an online component these days to it. Uh, in in some ways, it's good. Like I think uh, Far Cry is a really good example of a property and a game that came out that has lo- a lot longer longevity because they have Far Cry Arcade mode. And it's constantly giving you new maps. So you know, sometimes at the end of a long day, I just turn on the computer and it's like, okay, let's see what new maps are up, and then you can just play through a new mission. Definitely, definitely. That's good. That's good. But for me, um, I don't think I'm alone that a lot of the time when I play a game, it's because I've been so social throughout my day and I just want to unplug and not talk to people, if that makes sense. No, I'm with you, but I wonder, I 1000% agree. And I actually think that a number of people have kind of commented on both the lack of single player games, but also the lack of local multiplayer, because now multiplayer is almost the only place that exists is if you're doing it online and so you get rid of the social element in real life, which kind of sucks. Um, but I wonder if the success, I mean, Fortnite, which came out with the switch this week, you know, and, and and games like that and, and, and PUBG and this whatnot, it kind of this whole new universe of, of online gaming that's happening in a very big way. If that's just so much money and so much potential revenue that the gaming companies are just blinded by that. And they're saying, the studios are saying, no, we're not going to, we don't care about, you know, single player. We, we need this online component. We need to have some way to maybe continue to have people buy 
in-app purchase things that that's part of it or or additional packs or skins or or whatever because we need to continue to do the content. I mean, you know, like uh, Grand Theft Auto Five is is now made so much money, you know, with its online version and it continues to do really well with that years after its release. I wonder if, and, and you know, Grand Theft Auto, um, especially starting kind of with three, which obviously started kind of the open world a- aspect of it you know, was a kind of a single player vision and now is, is evolved into very much an online system. I wonder if the studios are just saying it's not worth it for us to focus just on that old aspect. We're leaving money on the table. But I wonder yeah. if that'll if that'll backfire potentially with certain types of audiences like the Fallout audience. I yeah, and I'm I'm there with you. It's just our industry, it was bad enough when, you know, in-app purchases and free to play and pay to win were the norm. Uh now, you know, that's become accepted and we see uh really loot box mechanics shoehorned into every single game that comes out. Uh, you know, and now it's like there's this always on like persistent aspect of it too. Yeah, it really feels like the game industry is just moving in this one single direction. And I don't think it's very good for our innovation overall. Um, and I don't have an issue with the industry like putting out like every studio having like one that kind of game. It's just, yeah, I want other kinds of games. I want story-based content. I want um, yes. you know, solo experiences. So anyway, I think that's there. Um, I want to talk about Resident Evil 2. Did you ever yes. play this back oh in the God, day? You Did me? you? Yeah. It was one of my favorites. I mean, the first Resident Evil was good, right? But Resident yeah. Evil 2 was the game. The game. Like, that was the one, like, when you had, like, the, the, the Rottweilers, like, the scene with the dogs, you know what I mean? That yep. was just, like, I remember being playing that, I don't even probably four o'clock in the morning, you know, in high school and just being like scared out of my mind. And it was so yeah. good. And, and the fact that, you know, you had the multiple discs, which player you play. I mean, the whole Resident Evil two is the game. I mean, I thought the code Veronica was a really good game actually, you know, for dreamcast, but Resident Evil two to me was just like, Oh my God, this is just, this is the game. And so I'm so excited about this. I can't even so, like talk about it enough. I'm so that's excited. That's exactly how I feel. Though I have to say, and I'd love your opinion on this, uh, Chris Redfield, uh, they've really changed his look. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah, wait, no, it's not Chris Redfield. It's Leon Kennedy. He's gone from like this really hot guy, just to be <laughs> honest, to like the most generic looking white I dude agree. I've ever seen. I agree. I'm I like, where's that. Leon? Was, yeah. No, I kind of agree with that. I was like, no, he was he was cute. You know, yeah, because Chris <laughs> was the brother or whatever. But yeah, and I was like, what happened? You know, but like, yeah. Um, I, although, you know, I don't know. I, I always... I always like to play as the female character when I could because yeah, definitely Claire. That was, Claire Redfield. Yeah, Claire was always who I played because no, it's yeah, it's Claire Redfield. In well, this game. And, yep, well, yep. Be, yes, but 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 you know, because that was one of the unique things is that you could kind of pick which one you wanted to do, and it was so yep. rare in 1998 to be able to be a girl in a game. Yep. You know, especially a game like this where you're a badass and you're a hero and you're shooting zombies <laughs> and 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 people who are possessed by various things and and, and dogs and God knows what else like you know, you're fighting this corporation, like Umbrella Corp. Like, I loved being a girl, but I'm with you that, yeah, I, I thought Leon was hotter in the original. <laughs> um, I hadn't even thought of that until you just said that. But, I was, but yeah, you, that, that's a really good point. But I'm really so, excited about this because, uh, yeah, 
They, hey. they kept it so exactly the same as you remember it. Like you go into the police station, the map layout is the yep. same. The objects are the same. Which is the how camera, you do a remake. Yeah. Which of is how you do a remake. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, is that the graphic updating aside, the game stands up. Like yep. it is a good, good game. And I feel so old because it's been 20 years. <laughs> and I'm like, oh but my, you know what I mean? Like, I feel I do. I'm like, I do. oh my God, I'm so old. I cannot believe this. <laughs> so there's going to be all these kids playing this game who like either were not alive when it came out or were like so little that they didn't know that a PlayStation 1 existed. Um, you know, and they didn't know it was known as the PSX. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a, it's a, I feel so old, but I'm glad that they're I, doing the remake this way because this is how you do it. I see it as them preserving a great story and some great characters and making it accessible for this generation because there are very few PS1 games that hold up for replayability. I it's hard agree. to do a Resident Evil 1 playthrough. It's oh, hard. Yeah, no, it is. It's but, really but, but hard. Resident Evil 2 was the game. And I would say yep. the only other real, well, there's two other, I guess there may be two other PlayStation games I could think of. One would be the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah. Um, I actually still think that that that's that's playable because when they ported that to to the Xbox, the original Xbox and, and others stuff, like I still think the original Tony Pro Skater with with Goldfinger and the soundtrack and whatnot, like it, some of the stuff might seem generic, you know, the, the moves might seem generic, but that was just a fun game. Like I think that holds up. I actually also think Medal of Honor. I bet Medal Definitely. of Honor would hold up. I also think that uh, uh Metal Gear Solid, but I think Medal of Honor especially um yeah. would would still hold up. But Resident Evil 2 is I think the PlayStation game, maybe some of the Final Fantasies, maybe maybe seven or eight, but 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 I think like Resident Evil Two is probably like the pinnacle of the story kind of driven game. You know, they had the cinematic cutscenes, of course, but it was it was the atmospheric because the graphics were never the best on the PlayStation. You know, you had better potential graphics on the on the N sixty four, but it was hearing the the you know the sound of the, out, the outdoors and and having that ambiance and feeling scary and then having those cutscenes and then not knowing what was going to be behind where you were and as I said like I remember being at like four o'clock in the morning like on a weekend me playing and like having the dogs come out and being like <laughs> literally scared out of my mind and like yelling and then getting yelled at by my parents because they're like what are you doing and I'm like I'm playing a video game you know like. <laughs> Um, oh I, 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 I'm, I, I can't wait to play this. I'm really, I love that they're doing this. I love that they're right like remaking you. it this way. And I hope yep. that the next one that they do is, is, is code Veronica. That'll be great. That needs an update. That really does. Okay. So last story about E3 and then we'll move on to more tech news. Uh, did you see the Washington post story on what, uh, Waluigi? No. Did you see this? Okay. So, I am not the biggest Waluigi fan in the entire world. So you know who he is. He's like Wario, but he's a Luigi clone. Yes. And uh, so they brought out <laughs> they brought out the new Smash for Switch, which, by the way, I'm going to play with you, Christina Ward. Oh, yes, I'm going to challenge are. you online. Um, or next time like, I see you. Yeah, I agree. And also, what I love about that is that I, I still have my GameCube and very oh, good condition GameCube controllers. So I'm going to go. kick your because I'm going to use okay. my GameCube controllers that are not all pressed out. Like, they're still in great condition. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Okay. okay. Who okay, do you but, main as in Smash? Who do you play as? Usually Ness. 
Okay. Okay. I'm a big uh, Zamas fan myself. Zero Suit Zamas. I love her. She's amazing. Uh, Bayonetta is really good too. Uh, but anyway, so they brought out the new Smash and it's got all new like battle system. It's basically a remix of every Smash game to date. Uh, but fans were really, really angry because Waluigi is still not in a Smash game. They made him and they made him like a trophy you can get for playing <laughs> Smash, which will give you a 3D trophy of him. But he's not there. And fans well, are so angry about this. They are like, so angry. Yeah. I, I love that they're upset about it. But at the same time, it's like, dude, he's not really real. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, he's not Wario. I don't know. It's just like, I love the upsetness. It's like, but, but also there's a certain thing like Nintendo can never give the smash fans everything. Like they literally have gone as close as they can by making, as you said, it's kind of a remix of all the different smash games and they're supporting the freaking GameCube controllers, which is huge (laughs) because what this means is this will now be used on the, the competitive circuit where, you know, people can't get, you know, working GameCubes enough and, and already people are like <laughs> reproducing GameCube, like they're like, you know, third party, like aftermarket, you know, GameCube controllers and that have varying levels of well, how good is this one compared to this one. And, and, you know, people get really obsessed with it. They're already, you know, supporting the old controller type. Um, what else can they do? You know what I mean? Like they've <laughs> literally tried to give the fans everything, but I think even if they made like a direct port of, of Super Smash for the GameCube, you know, and just updated the graphics, people would find a reason to complain about something, even if it was exactly the same in every other way. So I don't know. I I think that the reason for this is like Waluigi, he's never really been in a game. Like he he makes appearances in things like Mario Tennis, but he doesn't really have a backstory. He's he's this, but that's the whole fun of him because he's so memeable. And there That's are true. so many Waluigi memes. So, uh, I mean, it, it would, be, it would this, have been cool yeah. for them to do it, I guess, but I kind of understand why they didn't. I mean, right. I don't know. It makes me wish that Nintendo was the type of company that would release updates to games, you know, patches, yep. so yeah. that you could buy the next Smash and then have, you know, even a, even a DLP to get Waluigi. Like, that would be cool. And well, yeah, they could they get a bajillion dollars. With- they did that with SSB four. Like they, I think there were like four main packs that came out with like probably close to 10 characters in there. Everything from Bayonetta to Ryu. So um, yeah, they definitely did that with the last one. I think it's just like the, it, the part of this I love the most, Christina is it was a freaking story in the Washington post. Yes. Okay. And fair it, enough. Yes. The, and the, it the, leads, the, yeah. <laughs> it leads out in a destroyed parking lot with a Waluigi uh, stuffed animal, like just smashed and dirty and run over. <laughs> it's just this like dark picture of Waluigi. It's like Waluigi will not be in Super Smash uh, Switch. And I'm just like, you know what? That is, I love you, Washington Post. My subscription is now worth it. Thank no, you. No, I, I agree with you. And I yeah. love I love you Smash fans for making something that was culture worthy enough for the Washington Post to be like, yes, this is mainstream enough for us to actually assign it was probably abby who wrote it i i i don't know i haven't read the story but it was you know but for, for them they have a couple of reporters who cover like the weird internet things kudos to you smash fans <laughs> for for being weird and 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 kind of crazy enough the washington post had to be like fine we will cover this weird subset <laughs> we will of cover stuff this. i i, we will I cover approve it. i approve 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So let's talk about uh, just a little bit of uh, Apple tech news this week. Um, so one of the things that Apple uh, just announced a couple of days ago is that they are changing app permissions in iOS 12, I believe, to make it so uh, people cannot get access to your contact list. They are making it illegal for uh, people to sell. Making it uh, not illegal, not but illegal, making right. app bannable, uh, app store bannable offense to download copies of databases, to copy the da- database, to basically pull all of that information, which to me is a very direct result of Facebook uh, yes. and the things that they've gotten a lot of scrutiny about uh, on Android and you know, basically the whole Cambridge Analytica thing. So I guess, Christina, what were your thoughts on this? Uh, do you think it's a good move? Do you think it's enough? I think it's a great move. I think it's good that these are codified in their terms of service so that if they find out that a company has done this, that they can ban them from the store. Um, I would obviously have, you know, I think natural skepticism that let's say somebody figured out that like a very big, very prominent app by a major company was doing something like this. I'm not sure if, you know, how Apple's uh, enforcement policies would work on that. You know what I mean? Like as yeah. as as much of a direct, you know, kind of middle finger as they gave to, to Facebook at WWDC, uh, I don't feel like they would ever ban the Facebook app from the phone uh, because that it, it's just too popular and, and, and whatnot. But I do have questions, but I, I do think it's a good move. I do have questions about enforceability um, because uh, John Gruber kind of mentioned this um, on, on Daring Fireball as well. And, and it's like, unless they're setting up kind of cipher accounts with these apps to kind of monitor their traffic patterns and what they're doing. In many cases, it's going to be very hard to figure this out. Like, it's great that this is part of, you know, codified as part of the rules and that if a researcher figures this out, then you could go back and say you're banned. Um, but I don't think there's any sort of test they can do, at least the automated testing they do in the app store, uh, you know, for approval that would be able to prevent people to, to know whether this is happening or not, you know, and, and I guess that's my only hesitance with this is how are they going to enforce this? How are they going to make sure that this isn't happening? And, um, you know, how are they going to make sure that the, the information that's captured in correct ways or, or, or official, you know, authorized ways, an unscrupulous company isn't making copies of and, and, you know, on their server or some other thing and, and then selling. You know, like, I'm not sure how they're able to actually make this work, but I like that this is at least their policy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, they would have to do a lot of behind the scenes work to kind of stop that from being copied. Uh, and it would have to kind of be a app store surveillance state to really find out if apps were doing this. But let's be honest here. Like, this is aimed at Facebook primarily. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think it's worth going back in time and looking at uh, when Apple found out Uber was doing something similar to this with location searching in their app. And Apple, you know, Tim Cook met with him and put the kibosh on it. And, uh, you know, they took it out because Apple had that, um, basically that right. It was, you know, spelled out in the app store rules. So I think this is just a fantastic step forward. I'm very happy about this. Um, yeah, I also don't know if you saw this. There was a story this week that App, Apple has expressly forbidden uh, mining for cryptocurrency yes, yes. on iOS devices. I have mixed feelings about this, but before I give my opinion, I'd love to know what you think. Well, I'm actually in favor of this because it's, it's in anything in the, in the iOS or the Mac App Store. And this kind of comes after there was a, a, 
a Mac app. Uh, it was called Calendar something, like maybe Calendar 2. And it wasn't really expressly said what was happening, but it was kind of said, oh, you know, you can unlock these pro features if we do this thing. But it didn't really say we'll be mining cryptocurrency and whatnot. And But it downloaded, you know, a, a, a JavaScript uh, cryptocurrency mining app that would use your CPU resources to try to, you know, mine cryptocurrency in exchange for unlocking advanced features in an app. And and in that way, that's kind of a novel, you know, hack, I guess. Um, but I'm not really in favor of it. I, I understand the standpoint where some people would say, if I'm purposely as a user choosing to download an app that is expressly saying that it is um, a cryptocurrency miner, and, and, and that's what this is doing, then I should be able to use that app. I, I can I can understand that argument, I suppose. But <laughs> I think that but 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 I'm gonna have lots of questions about why anybody would want to do that and how useful that would actually be, et cetera. But I think that the 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 fact that what has much more commonly happened, which is that people are sneaking these things into apps and it's not just on on the iPhone. There was actually an instance in um so there's Within Linux, there are a couple of different, um, uh, I guess, kind of package managers now for distributing applications. There's one called Snap, which Ubuntu does, and there's one called Flatpak. And Snap, which Ubuntu does in in their own app store and, and their Snap repositories, someone packaged the uh, an app for, for 2048, the, the, the three a game, which is a, a knockoff of threes uh, that originally came up for iOS. Someone put one of those Bitcoin miners in it and it was not hmm. expressly stated and people found out and, and it was, it was rightly, I think called as malware, although, although there was some kind of consternation in the community about whether it was malware or not. And it was removed from, from, from snap and, and, and the, the, the snap store and, and, and the Ubuntu community kind of had to say, we're going to have to think about how we maybe police things. Cause up to date, what's kind of proved is that there's absolutely no kind of policying of what can be a snap or not. And so these things are happening on lots of places. We've also seen websites that have had their ad, you know, tech taken over by these things. I, I haven't seen a lot of examples of anybody kind of willingly or knowingly saying, I want to install this, you know, uh, uh, type of script uh, purposely. It's usually kind of, kind of done on the sly to to try to, you know, uh, take, you know, if, if you've got lots and lots of users and, and they're all running the script, then all of their mining together might net you a, a little bit of money. Um, so I feel like it is kind of a malware thing. And so I'm in favor of banning this because I don't see any rationale of why this should be in an app store environment. But I can understand why some users would say, if I explicitly want an app to do this, I should be able to get it. In that case, yeah. I'd be like, okay, well, if, if you are a Mac user, then the Mac developer can still sign the certificate themselves and release it directly. Um, but I'm okay with but, Apple. Yeah, but not on line. iOS. Not on iOS, which, you no, know. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But but on iOS, I'm going to be honest and say, I cannot think of any useful, like, rationale way where somebody is saying, I should be using my iPhone as a crypto miner. Like I just, right now I cannot think of any reason why that should exist. And I'm okay with yeah, Apple being yeah. opinionated. I, I can understand some of my say it should still be my right, but Apple has been very opinionated about a lot of less controversial, you know, contentious issues. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like, like pornography, they, pornography, they've been like, Oh no, if it has nudity, we, we won't do it. If it's adult, whatever. Like 
Apple has a point of view and that's what makes their store different. So I'm okay with them taking that stance. But but what do you think? Because you said you were conflicted. Well, okay. So this is how I feel. Like the reality is like I subscribe to what? Five newspapers and a ton of other media services. But uh, you know, most people do not. Right. And let's be honest that the main way that a lot of people uh, make information from uh, websites is by um, serving you ads or tracking you or getting data and selling it to someone. That's yes. the reality. What I like is I've seen some people running cryptocurrency mining in lieu of ads or uh, of tracking services. Um, so I agree with you that the predominant case for this is going to be bloatware, ransomware, like malware, uh, you know, things that go onto your machine under false pre pretenses and destroy your battery. That said, I would love for a profit model to exist where people can, with informed consent, agree to let this happen um, in lieu of ads or of being tracked online. I think that's another, for me, I would personally rather pay for the electricity than I would to pay for the uh, damage to my privacy. So, um, and, you know, also I can't be the only person around with like probably 20 or 30 iOS devices in my drawers. So um, I could see someone having that computing power and wanting to run them into like a mining operation. I have no idea if Apple hardware is good for that because of the GPU and how it's optimized for metal. My guess would be it would not be optimal for that yeah, kind of work. But I, 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 I would yeah. be very, very, very surprised if there was any way that that would ever be probably at least for any of the major crypto you know systems that exist now and maybe there are some you know uh, altcoins that are out there where you could say okay you know this is not popular enough so you can mine enough with your iPhone but I can't think of anything that exists right now um, or any mobile hardware that Apple makes right now that would be good for that I mean I remember trying to mine uh, Bitcoin on the Mac Pro when that came out because that was the only way I was able to kind of crash the, 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 the 2013 Mac Pro was mining Bitcoin on it. That was how I was able to kind of get it to freeze. And even that, which, you know, at the time was was one of the more powerful computers. And, and this was before kind of the, the you know, the, the age of, of ASICs type of things and, and, and really GPU driven um, uh, mining. It still wasn't really an efficient way to do anything. So but but I do understand your point. I I I. I'm sympathetic to the standpoint as, as a you know former journalist of somebody who would like there to be a sustainable media model that is not contentious on your privacy or tracking. I'm just not convinced that um, the crypto mining things are it, primarily because I think that however much money that's going to get is probably not going to be enough to offset whatever cost ads would do unless it's using so much of your compute power you know that you're 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 basically unable to do anything else but but I do appreciate your your point of view on that yeah no i think Look, I'm being a geek. I'm being, you know, like we like more control over this stuff. I think for most users, this is the best idea overall. So that's a good place to leave it. Uh, what are you doing this week, Christina? So I'm finishing up, you know, Tech Days Online in, in London. I'm going to visit a few friends and then I'm going to be in Colorado for a few days. And then, Really? What yeah. are you, where are you going in Colorado? I'm going to be in uh, Golden, which is in the Denver area. I'm just visiting um, some friends. 
and then just kind of uh, recouping after, you know, doing some, a lot of work stuff. So I'm excited about that. And then I'll be back, you know, next week, obviously we'll be doing our podcast, but I'm also going to be uh, shooting some stuff for, for an open source show uh, at Microsoft and doing some other things. But yeah, so that's, that's basically uh, me. I'm also going to try to catch up on all the news. It's so weird. So it's taken me a really long time to get used to being three hours behind all the news <laughs> now that I live in Seattle. Yep. Now I li- now I, this week I'm in London. I'm five hours ahead of New York. <laughs> and on the one hand, it was actually useful for the horrific North Korea stuff, which oh god this is not a political podcast but i can just say this is horrific and terrifying and it makes me very uncomfortable um so i was at least able to kind of catch up to that and in, in, in closer to real time you know uh than, than people who were you know in uh in the u.s but um it's so weird so now i wake up and i'm, I'm working i'm doing all these things and and i'm like afraid to text you and simone because i'm like <laughs> it what is what hour like, is it what time is right it? right because if i wake up at seven and i like text the group chat then simone's eight hours behind and you're five hours behind and it's like 2 a.m for you <laughs> or like 11 p.m for her and i'm like okay i can't um so anyway I, i'm finally understanding the the horror of, of, of time zones uh that i didn't quite <laughs> respect before um I just, I know I said this on Twitter, but I want to give you so much empathy because me being at WWDC last week, when Westworld was coming on, I'm very angry about that. that I had Westwood spoiled for me. I think that was rude. (laughs) And, you know, like, it's just weird being out there. Like, you're tweeting at nine o'clock at night. Everybody's in bed. It's really weird. It yep. sucks. And I have to say, this is why, uh, as, as I said, when, when we had our, our, our interview with, with, with Ed over Bill, who, who's based in London, um, you know, this is why you set up a, a, a VPN on a New York based uh, VPS and, and, and you access your, your television that way. That's all I'm going to say. I think it's a good idea. Uh, one last word of advice. Uh, if you're going to be in Denver, do not underestimate how hard it is to get uh, used to the oxygen if you're going to go for a run outside. Okay, good I call. swear to God, you have no idea. Or maybe you do if you've been no, there. No, I but don't running, actually. Okay. Running in Denver is horrible. It is okay. horrible. Um, I could run 10 miles and not blink, and Denver will get me out of breath. So okay. good this luck is, with this that. Is, this is very yeah. good to know because uh, my, my, my friend Allison, who you know, you know Allison. Yeah. I it's love good. her. Yes. I love her. She's who I'm going to visit. So Oh, so she will probably want to do things, terrible things to me. So this is good. Thank, thank you for that advice. Yes. She's the yes. best though. She's fantastic. Um, I love that. We should, she should be a guest on the show. She, I, honestly, I would love her to be, I would love her to be because she, Just she's an hilarious. Amazing person. She's an amazing yeah. person. She's funny. It was it's funny. So who I'm talking about for, for listeners is, is I work with this woman, Alison Krug, who is our uh, community lead on uh, the cloud developer advocate team. And, and she, organizes our events and our community things. And she's just amazing. And how she and I actually first, before we even met in person, we were communicating on Twitter and she started kind of giving me shit on Twitter before we'd even met in person and, and kind of <laughs> um, starting a competition with me, a la, you know, um, Abby in uh, uh, Broad City, you know, how competitive Abby is and, and her backstory where she's like the super competitive person. She's like, I'm like this. So I'm going to challenge you to all these things. I was like, oh, I'm like that too. And we were already kind of going head to head on Twitter, just kind of laughing back and forth before we even met in person. And then the first day we met in person was the day I got hit by the car and showed <gasps> up. You're joking. No. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And so that was the day I got hit by the car and then showed up in the treehouse 
you know, a little bit high on, uh, on the pain meds and also the adrenaline of being hit by the car. And everybody was just so shocked that I was there. And she gave me then a hot toddy, which then, you know, added alcohol <laughs> to the whole mix, which was great. And, uh, she was like, she was like, I'm so mad at you. You've won the competition before you even started because you got hit by a car and you're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's Allison. That's that Allison. Awesome. We're going to have her on the show. We're, We're going to have her on the show because I think show. you guys, uh, uh, listening would all love her. Um, and, uh, she, she's the best and she'd uh, be a good fit. She, she she's would. very rocket ish. Uh, she is. Let's see. What am I doing this weekend? Uh, everything. I'm running for Congress. Uh, I've got some Woo-hoo! speeches. I'm helping uh, some women I know. Uh, basically, I'm evaluating their campaigns for some training for women candidates here in uh, Massachusetts. I'm going to a Porsche party with millionaires <gasps> tomorrow night, Christina Warren. Um, I'm so excited about this. That so, you, you've you, just described my husband's dream. Yeah. Yeah, because well, he's such a Porsche fanboy. I mean, he's become more of a Volvo fanboy, but his ultimate yeah. first love, his first love is Porsche. Like he's a well, Porsche like stan. Well, he needs to come to Massachusetts and hang out with me. But uh yeah, I'm gonna go there because it's like if somebody can afford like these kind of Porsches, they yeah. can afford to they donate afford to, to my campaign. campaign. Yeah. So I'm gonna network with them. Uh let's see. What else? Sunday, we've got events. Yeah, I'm running for Congress, Christina. It's like 5,000 things every single day. So there it is. Oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud Thank of you. you. And, Thank and you. And I'm, I'm happy things are going so well. And, and everybody, again, BriannaBooForCongress.com, like donate to Brie because we really she deserves win. it. We really yeah, can't can. win. Well, that's the thing is, is you're at this point, you're like within striking distance. And yeah. that's amazing. So we really like, we need all the support we can get because we need people like you in Congress, especially when things like this week happened. Like we, <laughs> we bad. need it. It is bad. It's and bad. and we, bad. we, we need it. And it's, it's interesting because I'm in, I'm in London right now, which is kind of going through its own kind of version of Donald Trump with the Brexit. <laughs> and so, you know, people, I, so it, it, people here are, are unhappy because there was, a, there were some Brexit related votes this week in, in parliament and, and, and there's some consternation and, and I can't help it, but, but almost want to be judged. You'd be like, look, I know your problems really matter, but like our president <laughs> just praised a dictator who starves people. So yeah, who yeah. And has nukes. So I don't yeah. know guys. Like, I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know. I, I you know I, what I, it's I, like. It's when you're like your friends trying to tell you about their drama. It's not really drama compared to your drama. And you're just trying to be nice. That's how I'd feel if I were in Britain right now. No, that's kind of how I feel. And I kind of don't want to dismiss it. Cause I'm like, I know this is horrible for you. And trust yeah. me before November, 2016, I was like, this is the worst thing ever. But in the past week, <laughs> we've literally threatened a war with, with, with Canada. And have said that we're BFFs with North Korea. So I don't know, you know. <laughs> Do you know what my theory is with that? The fact that Justin Trudeau is so hot. Yes. Let's just be honest. That is like, it. That is he it. Just did, and I think Trump sees him and I think he sees. Oh, he's so mad. I, I think it's, yeah. I, I Well, and it's not I, just that he's hot because he is. He's yeah. so hot. But he's, he's charismatic, he's, he's likable, yeah. he's nice, he's smart. Everyone likes him, everybody wants to be around him because he's Justin. Uh, didn't you notice like yeah. he called him Justin in the <laughs> in, in the tweets? Like he doesn't say, yeah. you know, Prime Minister Trudeau. He doesn't say Trudeau. Like he calls him Justin as if he knows him. It's like, dude, this is not your friend. You can't be like, you can't like be be casual with him. No, like. No. Show this Especially man some respect. Especially when you're starting a trade war with them. Exactly. And- also, like, show this man some respect. Like, he had, like, uh, 
you know, pride socks on last year and, and, and is just a great guy. And I've had a tumbler dedicated to him since he was elected. <laughs> um, it's uh it's F yeah, but the actual word, uh, trudeau.tumblr.com, uh, because that's what Christina did when I worked at Mashable was <laughs> register random tumblers that I now occasionally remember. And I'm like, Oh yes, I should, I should add things to, to that tumbler. And people be like, Very smart. Oh, I was like, Oh, you have a tumbler dedicated to bad corrections. Yes. Oh, you have a tumbler dedicated to Justin Trudeau. Yes. Oh, you have a tumbler dedicated to, you know, whatever. I'm like, Yes, this is this was my life. Um, so uh, I, I am not a therapist like Georgia Dallas, so I am completely unqualified to say this. But I can't help but think that viral picture of you know Ivanka like looking at Justin Trudeau, and she is um, uh-huh. thirsty. She's thirsty. Oh, yeah, she was. I bet and that made him. I bet he was like. I bet she it made look him, at me that him, way. Right. I I think there could be some feelings that Trump needs to explore with a professional there. That's my feeling. I agree with you. I I think it's his hotness and his likability. I totally agree with you. And he's like, I can't not, I (laughs) I can't stand that that I'm not this guy. And it's like, yeah, you're not. And also like Justin Trudeau is from a dynasty kind of like Trump is to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like his father was prime minister, but like, unlike Trump, who's like literally, you know, like has had everything handed to him. Like, you know, Justin has, has has built a name for himself and has actually done things. He's exactly. He's read a book or two, too. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, where can people find you, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, et cetera. And um, you can find the content that I've been producing this week at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer is all going to be under a playlist for um, uh, uh, tech days online. But you can also find the other content that we do across Microsoft if you want to see developer centric things. What about you? Excellent. Uh, well, you can see the illustrious and wise Simone Rushmore at Doom Quasar yes. on the Twitter machine. And you can find me at Space Cat Cat Hall uh, on Twitter. You know, at some point, especially when I win my election, we're going to have to change that. Like, you can't be a congressperson. No, you're right. It's going to be really Space funny. Space Cat Gal. Yeah. Are you sure? Because honestly, like, I get why you would want Brianna Wu or rep <laughs> Brianna Wu as your Twitter. Yeah. I totally understand that. But part of me really wants to see you on C-SPAN and yeah. wants to see C-SPAN <laughs> have to put Space Cat Gal on the yeah. cryon. And I also, right. say, say, likewise, I want you to be like on MSNBC or whatever. And I want the Chiron to have to say like Space Cat Gal. I want it yeah. because I, w- I will say this, Brianna, if you keep Space Cat Gal once you're elected, yes. if I ever, if anyone is ever dumb enough, if I'm ever uh, crazy enough to run for office and if anyone's ever dumb enough to elect me, I will make sure that Film Girl is always my moniker and uh, it should be it should be be, yeah i i i I, I, yeah i will be representative film girl um so i think you're probably more qualified than i am christina uh, so you should definitely run that is absolutely a lie you are you are immensely qualified but (laughs) but yeah no i i i i think that would actually be fun but i'm immature so your your campaign people who you should obviously (laughs) listen to above me i'm sure they'd be like no actually it needs to be rep brianna Wu, and yeah that'd be fine they're just quashing my dreams. So mm. anyway, this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. Terminated.